Hello, and welcome to Foul Puck, a podcast about sports ball for the rest of us. Unlike other sports ball podcasts, we talk about sports without assuming that you out there in listener land know everything that there is to know about shutouts and implicit bias. Today is the 13th of November. It's a Saturday, not a Friday. And I am Nancy, your basketball enthusiast. And for this, our 50th episode, (gasps) I am joined by (laughs) with the cats. Oh, that's me. Um, sorry, there were I no, have no cats. cats. There were no cats on the screen, so I got momentarily confused. Um, That's fair. I'm, there was one, though. Yes, there was. And I'm sure somebody will join us during this episode. <laughs> uh, I am Rebecca. I am your uh, hockey person. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, I don't know if anybody can be real enthusiastic about hockey right now. Yeah, we're not talking about that, though. That's that's fine. Why would we talk about that on our sports podcast? Exactly. Um, no. <laughs> and and who's our peanut gallery here? Hi, I'm the peanut gallery. I'm Rachel. Uh, maybe you can like upgrade me to like almond or cashew gallery. I don't know. Ooh. Anyway, I'm your baseball guru with officially no more baseball to look at. I think you're our macadamia oh. nut. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, sorry. It's been a long week. It has been a fucking long week, but here we are, uh, and 50 episodes in. Actually, more than that, but officially. 50 50, numbered episodes. 50 numbered episodes in, and I gotta say, it feels real good. It does. I'm excited. (laughs) We have a back catalog. We had a back catalog. Remember when we started recording this podcast, and it was pre-pandemic? Just barely. I know, just barely. <laughs> yeah. Just it wasn't like, pre-pandemic for long. Life was like life was our oyster. We well like, originally we, we were still things. like six months out. Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah, that's we recorded true, our we did first start recording in, in August. Yeah, yeah, and didn't release yeah. until like October. <laughs> that might be true. <laughs> So it's okay, this fine. is this is off our agenda, but I'm the host, damn it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take us there, and y'all are just coming with and me. And you know how strictly we adhere to that agenda. Yep, yep. To the minute. Touche. <laughs> <laughs> so I just want to. I was just realizing I was so I was out before we decided before the time that we were going to begin recording this. I realized I had to run an errand, so I went and ran to FedEx because I had to print you know, like a church calendar flyer for the back of the church. And, you know, I wanted it to be color printed and I wanted to do it fast. So I went to Kinko's, right? Um, And as I was driving in the car on the way back, I was thinking, you know, like, oh, I got to get back in time to record Foul Puck. And then I was thinking, you know, we haven't done a pandemic check-in in in a while. Mm -hmm. It's still the pandemic. It sure is. (laughs) Yep. So I'm just like, I don't want to get too deep into this, but I'm just curious, like, you know, we've done a few regular check-ins, right? Like at the beginning, what it was like, in the middle, what it was like, in the continued middle, what it has been like, wherever the fuck we are now. <laughs> so I'm just curious, Rebecca, start with you. What, like, where are you on this? What are you doing these days? Are you going into the office at all? Are you doing social mm-hmm. things at all? Like, mm-hmm. what's what's your life like? So my my social bubble is still the same bubble that I've had the whole time. But that's also mm-hmm. a function of those being, like, the only friends I have. <laughs> Valid. <laughs> and convenient. Uh, yeah, it is very convenient. Um, actually, I should say the only friends I have locally. Um, mm. 
I am going into the office. We are, the university is fully committed to being on campus all the time because we have mm. students. There's this whole push that we have to be available for students as those mm. students still want to like walk into the dean's office because they really don't. Yeah, no. that um, was the always the thing with office hours with me was yeah. like, mm. yeah, I mean, I'm thankful I I don't work with students. So I have a lot more flexibility than like our advising staff. But mm-hmm. um, in either case, I go in um, three days a week. I work from home two days a week. Um, mm-hmm. And my immediate coworkers are all vaccinated. So we have a we have an office suite, which so we can comfortably sit unmasked in our office suite, which is very nice. Mm-hmm. Um, the The thing that's the thing that's changed is that I've actually been to two live sporting events. How was that? How did that feel? It was weird. It was yeah, definitely yeah. weird. So I've been to two Capitals games. Um, it definitely helped that everyone is supposed to be masked and mm-hmm. most people were mostly masked for most of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're supposed to wear your mask when anytime you are not actively eating or drinking. They And they actually have the word actively in there. Um, <laughs> nice. Yeah, it is. Um, I told you there would be a I'm cat. just imagining how you'd passively yeah, eat. But <laughs> well, I, th- I think also, honestly, ancient Rome where they peel the grapes and put it in your mouth for you. <laughs> no, I, I think it's more like I have a bag of popcorn. Mm-hmm. But if I'm I not unmasked. Right, exactly. Yeah. But if I'm not like mm-hmm. putting kernels into my mouth at a steady rate, then I right. should put my mask back on. Yeah. Right. Um, and I mean, you know, you can have a beer for a whole period and sip it once every three minutes. Oh, yeah. So does that count as actively drinking? Anyway, um, the capacity has not been 100%. So Mm. um, that has also helped. So I haven't felt quite so like Mm -hmm. physically hemmed in. But it's still weird being around that many people. It's still thousands of people. Do they have any vaccination or test requirement or just the masks? Just masks. Okay. Uh Yeah. But I also, I'm lucky enough to have been relatively close to the first wave you know i got my first vaccination shot in february Mm -hmm. of 2020 and my second one in the first week of march so Mm -hmm. i am eligible and have already gotten my booster shot which also gives me a a layer of comfort and confidence yeah for sure yeah so that's been the biggest change for me i mean i'm still Mm -hmm. i'm still not super keen on going to a lot of public events because i mostly Mm -hmm. don't trust other people Word. You know, I trust <laughs> the vaccine. I don't yeah. really think that I'm going to get sick. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's still there in the back of my mind. Mm-hmm. Rachel, what about you? Well, uh, California just recently okayed the booster shot for anyone 18 and over. It's been um, mm-hmm. up until now just uh, if you were, you know, in a high-risk position or had uh, other health issues. Um Still, the automated system still won't at least let you schedule because I'm trying to get one as soon as possible because um, mm-hmm. it has been six months. But uh, yeah, so still waiting on that because I am planning to to go back to Florida for the holidays and mm-hmm. it will ease my mind greatly if mm-hmm. I have had my booster shot and given it time yeah. to marinate <laughs> before then. <laughs> Although I do think that most of the research has shown that like breakout infections are not happening at airports and airplanes. Because yeah. because the regulations are so strict, 
that you and there's hand sanitizer all over the place. Um, I mean, I still have that same hesitation you do. And I would still want to get my booster shot before I got on a plane. But I think flying is actually one of the relatively safe activities right now. Yeah, I'd I'd believe it. Um, But still, you know, it's a little bit stressful Mm -hmm. anyway. And Mm -hmm. then you just add Mm -hmm. a whole lot of stuff to that. Yeah, totally. Um, But yeah, so that's going to be good. Um, Yeah, I don't know. It's this weird limbo time when, you know, we know it's not over. Mm -hmm. um, But it's still like, even in California, you know, I go on my uh, daily afternoon walk and... I'm seeing fewer and fewer people wearing masks outside, uh, even mm-hmm. when they're not actively eating. Um, yeah. And, like, that's probably fine, you know? I mean, right. science shows that if you're outdoors, mm-hmm. you know, especially if you're just quickly passing someone, the risk of transmission is almost zero. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's still weird. Um, still wearing my mask just because, like, leave the house, put on the mask now. Mm-hmm. Just kind of a thing. Um, I'm amazed at how often about... I still forget it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? Like I, I, it's some, some day this week I got out of my car and was halfway into a building and I was like, wait a minute. And I turned back around oh. and got my mask. Kyle wow. did that the other day, but I don't think I have. I also tend to just keep them in my pockets or my purse though. So it's. I like... don't carry a purse. Yeah. So I've had that happen in my dreams several times now. It's funny. Uh-huh. Toward the, it happened toward the beginning of the pandemic where I had dreams where I would mm-hmm. be somewhere and be like, oh, shit, I forgot my mask. And like, I'm mm-hmm. in the middle of this crowd and nobody's wearing mm-hmm. a mask. And then that stopped for a little while. And now that's come back again, which I think is really interesting. interesting. Yeah, I've had that exact same experience. I had some dreams early on where I would be indoors in a crowd for some reason and no mask. And then, yeah, I hadn't had any for months and months and months. And then just this past week, I had another one where I was like, I don't even remember where. But yeah, it was the same sort of thing where suddenly I realized I didn't have it on. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, I don't know. Like, the long tail end of this has been... Well, the the thing that's frustrating for me in this, like, quote-unquote tail end is that there are so many people who are like, well, it's over. Yeah. Yeah. It's not over. Yeah. So Rachel and I took a trip, actually. We we got us and a, a third friend of ours drove to Colorado for a conference um, and then drove back. And it was it was a really fun trip. At least I had a really good time. <laughs> Can't speak for the other two people Started in the car with Started out fine, me, but... but on the way back, no. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. They didn't put me out on the side of the road, so you feel like they only Some sometimes. Of the time. Oh, okay, <laughs> but um, you know, so the conference itself, like they were very much like you have to be vaccinated to attend, you have to show proof of a negative COVID test from within seventy-two hours of the beginning of the conference. Masks are required unless you're actively eating or drinking. That was all fine. That felt very good. Mm-hmm. But it was in this hotel, and apparently nobody in Colorado wears masks. (laughs) Like, this is not a thing. I was surprised. There were more people in Utah wearing masks than there were in Colorado, which was a little wild. Yeah. Yeah. So that was was the thing that stressed me out the most. Like, I'm pretty... 
I don't know, like there was a certain level of like, I'm vaccinated, we're all vaccinated, like we're otherwise mostly healthy, you know, relatively young, you know. But then like just, you know, the hotel sort of thing where like you have the rooms and then the the conference was in kind of a separate wing. And to get from the rooms to the separate wing, you go down through this lobby where there's like a coffee bar and like people congregating and it's like old people, young people, children running around, nobody in masks, you know, I'm just like this is not. Yeah, and there were at least two large weddings mm-hmm. at the mm-hmm. hotel See, that weekend. Yeah. That's where people are getting sick. They're not yeah, getting yeah, sick totally. on planes. No. They're getting no. sick at family functions. <laughs> so we made it back and that was, you know, we, we all seem to have gotten through fine. This was a few weeks ago now. Um, yeah, and we tested after we got back. So yeah. Mm-hmm. So we seem to have done it just fine. Yeah, and, Las and... Vegas was the uh, most, uh, <laughs> uh, ha- not harrowing, it wasn't really harrowing, but like, because of intense, a huge storm in the desert <laughs> Oh, yep. um, that dumped a ton of rain on California and would have snowed us in through the mountains. So we decided to mm-hmm. come back the, the southern way. We ended up staying at a hotel and casino in las vegas overnight and to do Mm -hmm. anything in las vegas inside a building you have to go through the casino yeah yep so we were like sticking to the edges like the walls and trying to to (laughs) hug our way around the yeah because that's a germ um, factory on a good day yeah yeah. oh yeah and they were supposed to be wearing masks but most of them were though yeah i guess so i guess it's just the ones that weren't that like stuck out to me or no they they definitely yeah, no, there. I mean, there definitely were some. And of course, there are the restaurants in the casino where, like, everybody's eating and talking and not wearing a mask. So, like, but, like, still saw more masks in that Vegas casino than I did in that Colorado hotel. Wow. Yeah. And also, I would say probably because you can still smoke inside in Vegas. So mm-hmm. the, probably yeah. the ventilation is better in yeah, those that's indoor also spaces. True. That's but it was just point. a lot all at once, you know, it was for not lot. having been in a room, you know, an indoor environment with <laughs> yes. that many people yes. to suddenly go to Vegas time. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. A lot of people, a lot of noise, a lot of flashing lights. Yeah. A lot of yeah. I mean, <laughs> it was, it was Vegas, like yeah. sensory stimulation. A Vegas constantly. casino can be overwhelming even when you have been around oh, people yeah. for 18 months. Yeah. Well, they're intentionally designed to be. Yeah. I mean, that's part of the, you know, go capitalism. Like, that's part <laughs> of what they're trying to do is to disorient and entice you, right? Yep. So, like, but yeah, it was definitely kind of the deep end of the pool <laughs> of, of social engagement. But yeah, I mean, I am I guess I'm kind of like you, Rebecca. Like, I have not been going into the office, um, which once we moved up to Vallejo, I wasn't really planning too much anyway because it's kind of a schlep. But Kyle went into the office for the first time on Thursday, I think, because he had been, you can take a ferry from Vallejo to the city where he works, and it's a nice little commute, it's a fun ferry ride, and his office is doing a thing where they are uh, planning to ask people to either go fully remote or come in at least three days a week, so kind of like your Mm -hmm. thing. So he was like, "Eh, before they make us do this, I want to try it out, see how the commute is, see how I feel being back in the office. And it's San Francisco, um, and his office has a vaccination and mask policy, but he got in and he was like, I'm the only one wearing a mask here. Really? Like, Yeah. I was really surprised. So he was like, you know, I I mean, I do know that they're all vaccinated. We had to submit, you know, our vaccination records online. So at least there's that. But like, you know, Mm -hmm. nobody said. And so he he emailed HR and was like, "Mm." hmm. 
but we have been going to things like we went to, you know, we, when the pandemic hit, we had uh, subscriptions to the opera and to the musical company mm-hmm. in San Francisco. And of course, they just deferred all the shows. Mm-hmm. And they've started doing those again. So we started, we've gone to I think two operas and a musical now, but they're, it's the same sort of deal where they require vaccination, you, they require masks. Mm-hmm. So the first time was, was weird. It was an opera and it was very full. I think San Francisco was happy to have the opera back mm-hmm. and it, it definitely made me tense, but, but I, you know, I'm getting used to it again. Mm-hmm. Um, interestingly, the musical was like half empty, which mm. I was like, is the musical crowd not interested? I don't know. <laughs> And we do a lot of like, because it's California, we can eat outside. So we go out to eat fairly regularly because we can just sit outside. Right. And it's like, I feel fine about that. Yeah. That's not a thing. Yeah. Our church is still, everybody has to be masked. Um, we are allowed to, we, we would be allowed to go unmasked if we checked the vaccination records of everybody in the church. But we have not wanted to do that because then what do you do if somebody shows up? Right. Right because then it becomes a do you have your vaccination proof on you oh you don't oh okay well hold on stop the service literally everybody has to put on a mask now okay come in like no No. it's no and it's also like it it kind of harms like the welcoming atmosphere that i suspect you want very much harms the welcoming atmosphere this has been a big piece of of our discussion yeah yeah so so that's an, an ongoing thing to deal with but but yeah, I agree. It's this weird limbo thing where it's like, it's, it's, you know, I feel much less neurotic about it than I did mm-hmm. 12 months ago, um, where I was, you know, definitely convinced I was going to get it off my groceries or something, um, which in hindsight was ridiculous. But at the time, we didn't fucking know, no. yeah. you know? So... And I mean, that's going to continue because, I mean, the yeah. problem a lot of it is, is still we don't really know what is safe versus what feels safe. And so we got to yeah. kind of act off of feelings, yeah. which yeah. is <laughs> yeah. not, not a really great a scientific process. No. Yeah. No. And everybody's risk assessment is different and everybody's, you know, actual risk is different. And yeah. And then you have so, I don't know. family members like mine who are like, I'm tired of this pandemic, so I'm just not going to wear my mask anymore. Therefore, it's over. Yeah. <laughs> right. 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 The human ability to just, like, decide we're done. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> I mean, I'm done, too. But since yeah. it's not done, I'm right. going right. to keep doing right. stuff. Yep. All right. Well, any final thoughts on us on this this <sighs> lingering tail end of the pandemic? Just go get vaccinated. Don't bathe in <laughs> borax. Just go get vaccinated. Oh, yeah, that's the new thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, have I've fun missed with that. this. Oh, yeah. What is this? Well, so, so now the thing is um, how to undo your vaccination. Yeah. What? Because so you got everybody's got to get vaccinated now. So after you get it, you want to like, so people are, let's see. So bathing in borax is one. There's also people getting um, poison extraction kits um, meant what? for snake bites. Yeah. Um, which I don't think that works anyway. Um I, for snake bites, I mean, like getting the venom sucked out. You got to get anti-venom. But it, it can help depending on the bite. Well, but, and I think yeah. but anyway, for vaccinations, you use the, the yeah venom sucker outer after you get yeah. bit. That's the technical term. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, the borax yeah, thing so... was started by some woman TikToker who's like, "I bathe oh, in 
herbal essences and this thing and, and borax. that thing. And then a little bit of borax. Yeah. I mean, I guess the only good news is that is that, like, now you're vaccinated and itchy. <laughs> and also very And you're clean. only hurting yourself at that point. Yeah. Well, I'm vaccinated and you've ruined your, you know, skin ecosystem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but okay. All right. Well, natural selection's a thing. <laughs> Are the Darwin Awards this year going to just be about, like, vaccination avoidance? I mean... There are too, too many people this year to hand out Darwin Awards to... <laughs> Man, oh man. That's a good point. All right. Well, I'm dragging us off this now. I dragged us here. I'm dragging us back out. <laughs> Rebecca, yes. tell us about hockey that is not terrible. Yes. Um, I when we when we just to share a little bit of the behind the scenes with uh, hmm. our listener, um, I proposed talking. Hey, we've got at least three. <laughs> Um, I propose talking about the awful thing that's going on in hockey right now with the Chicago hockey team and sexual abuse. And then I was like, you know what? I don't really want to bring everybody down. And I I genuinely don't know that I can bring anything new to that conversation. So instead, I thought I would talk about some some kind of cool things going on in the in the NHL and specifically um, my team, the Capitals. Um, So Alex Ovechkin largely considered one of the, I mean, easily considered one of the greatest goal scorers of all time. Um, He is quite, well, slowly or quickly, depending on how you look at it, climbing the ranks of the actual greatest goal scorer of all time. Um, Just goal by goal, chipping away at that list of the most goals in the NHL. Um, yesterday he passed Brett Hall, so he's now solely in possession of third place, um, uh, goals of all time. He's got something, I want to say he's got 742 goals now, and Yager is the next one at 766, I think. So, I mean, I fully believe that he'll be able to pass Yager by the end of the season, and then he'll be number two behind Gretzky who has 840-something, so he's not going to be able to <laughs> catch up to Gretzky this year. But, I mean, even Gretzky, thinks, even Gretzky thinks that, oh, he's going to catch him. Really? Oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, so it's, like, it's really fun to watch him play. I, like, I, I genuinely believe it would be fun to watch him play, even as a non-Capitals fan. When he mm-hmm. scores... He is so excited every single time. <laughs> like, and he he celebrates with his teammates when they score. Like, it's their first goal every time. Like, mm-hmm. you just see how much love and passion he has for this game. And genuinely how much he loves scoring goals. And it's fun to watch. Plus, like, supporting the team that he's on, being a fan of the team that he's on while he's doing this makes it even more exciting. Um, mm-hmm. So that's really fun to see. Um, we, he's, of course, going to ha- take a few games to pass Yager. He's not going to get, I mean, it's very unlikely that he's going to get 20 goals in the next four games. But you know what, Ovi, go to town. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other kind of really cool thing that happened um, just this week, because one of our starting goalies um, had a minor lingering injury, he was... Um, He was out, and so we brought up a goalie from the AHL affiliate team, which is the Hershey Bears, 
Um, and oh. be- yes. And because they had a back-to-back, the Capitals had a back-to-back, they usually don't play the same goalie one night after mm-hmm. another. So Zach sure. Fucali, Fucali got to start in his first NHL game ever on, uh, I want to say, Thursday night against the Detroit Red Wings. Um, and he did it with a shutout. Wow, good for him. Yeah, so 21 saves. Um He's the first Capitals goalie in franchise history to get a shutout in his NHL debut. Oh, wow. Wow. Um, Yeah. And he's the seventh goalie in NHL history, age 26 or older, to earn a shutout in their NHL debut. Because, you know, sports love their really obscure um, statistics. So of of (laughs) goalies 26 or older who made their NHL debut, debut, he is the seventh one to get a shutout in that debut. Um, and now the goalie, the starting goalie is feeling better. So now Zach has been sent back down to the AHL and it was just a little one-time thing. He gets his little debut. He does perfectly. And then he's like <laughs> back to his other team. Um, I mean, I suspect they will call him back up again, especially if we make it to the playoffs. Um, but it was, it was really exciting to watch. And his parents were in the stands and, and they were, you know, they were just as tense and laughing and crying as as you would expect them to be. It was just really lovely. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, so then the big thing that I wanted to talk about is this season, there are 10 women who have um, been added to the roster of AHL officials. Um, so this... This season is the first time the American Hockey League has had women officials as as um, as referees and they keep calling them linesmen, but I refuse to do that as lines, <laughs> lines, folk, lines, persons, um, lines, people. Yes. Um, I mean, what, so I mean, the reason that they use linesmen is, is there a difference between like the different types of referee like is linesman a specific kind of referee yes so your okay your linesman your lines folk their primary job is to stand on the stand line on the on the line <laughs> on the blue lines and like one. watch for offsides oh okay, okay right okay. and then i mean they of course they watch for other um infractions and stuff like that like if they see something sure. there that isn't offsides they're not going to not call it but they right. they tend to like be secondary to the referees who are a little bit more mm-hmm. all over the ice getting into stuff and and making calls. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are ten women who have now um, they've all played or they've all officiated at least a game or two. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't been able to look up their exact stats because you know one of the fun things about looking up women officials in hockey is that there's very little information about them (laughs) i'm shocked so i do this might take a little bit of time but i do want to go through and give these women their their do it you know their moment in the sun with us and our three listeners (laughs) (laughs) less in the sun more like in a in flashlight a, powered by D-cell uh, batteries. Yes. I was going to say under a nice little UV light. In a slightly <laughs> okay. overcast 
Um, actually, you know, some we I don't remember if we've talked about this on the pod, but we've definitely the three of us have definitely talked about like how we can raise up women in sports mm-hmm. more and seeing how many of these women do not have Wikipedia entries. Yep. Makes me want to figure out how to make a yep. Wikipedia entry and like yep. put some yeah. stuff in there. Yep. Um, so, you know, that might be on my to-do list. Anyway. I think you should do that. I think that'd be amazing. I should do we it. support you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So the first one I'm going to talk about is Katie Gway. She, um, why did, oh, sorry. I, I put little um, notations and then I couldn't remember what they stood, stood for. So, she, <laughs> so she's in the AHL as a referee. Um, she played college hockey for Brown University. She has officiated in eight international tournaments, including the women's ice hockey tournament at the 2018 Winter Olympics. She was part of the first ever all-female officiating crew at the Frozen Four, which was the division NCAA Division One women's hockey tournament. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, she worked at the NHL level uh, for a prospect tournament in 2019, and she also officiated, uh, she was one of four who officiated the women's three-on-three event at the 2020 NHL All-Star Game. Um, and that women's three-on-three event at the 2020 NHL All-Star Game was widely considered by viewers and mm-hmm. NHL players to be the best part of that All-Star weekend. Yeah, I, I remember, remember you talking about that. it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, cause like when the, when the men play their little, their little tournament, they're like half of them are, are drunk and they're, they're like not <laughs> trying not to get hurt. And they're like, just they're like phoning right. it in. Cause you don't want right. to get injured for the season. Exactly. And the all-star exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The problem with our all-star games and most yes. sports, I think. Yep. yep. But the women were like, fuck you. This is a great, um, a great, you know, experience for, and a great, um, Exposure. Yes, great visibility. And so they played their asses off, and it was fantastic to watch. Um, All right, so the next one is Kelly Cook. She's also a referee. Um, She played college hockey for Princeton. She played with the Boston Blades in the Canadian Women's Hockey League and the Boston Pride in the NWHL. She was also part of that first-ever female officiating crew with the Frozen Four. Um, she refed the 2020 IIHF, which is the International Ice Hockey Federation um, Under-18 World Championship. She also officiated a NHL prospect tournament in 2019. She was also one of the ones who officiated that three-on-three event at the All-Star Game. And uh, notably, she graduated from Northeastern School of Law. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, then we have Dr. Jacqueline Z. Howard, who has no Wikipedia page. So what I learned from her, I got from her own LinkedIn profile. Wow. That's, okay. that's what we're dealing with here. Um, yeah. Okay. So she has a BA in criminal justice, a master's in legal and ethical studies, and a PhD in public administration. She served... So what you're saying is she's a overachiever. Yeah. <laughs> She uh, was an adjunct professor at George Mason University in 2014. Um, And then in in hockey stuff, she worked as an on-ice official, evaluator, scheduler, district seminar instructor, um, all of those things for USA Hockey since 2007. She's been an 
NCAA ice hockey official since 2012. And since 2019, she's been a National Women's Hockey League um, ice hockey official. Hmm. So Jacqueline is killing it. Yeah. 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 Sounds like yeah. it. Um, <laughs> Hats off. Yeah. Laura White. Uh, she's also a referee. She also has no Wikipedia page. Um, she's from uh, near Bucks County, Pennsylvania. So I got a lot of information from her from the Bucks County Courier Times. The <laughs> nice. local paper there. Um, I mean, good on them for having the info, yes, though. Yeah. Yes. Um, she played at Robert Morris University, like another woman we're going to talk about later. Um, so she ended up getting involved in the NHL officials mentorship program, the women's division of USA hockey, their like lead guy started Mm. having regular communications with the NHL officials. So they had like weekly zoom meetings. Um, Hmm. and through those zooms, that's how some of the, um, some of the women players, um, and other, like people otherwise involved in U- in uh, USA Hockey learned about the um, officials' exposure combine, um, and the exposure combine is uh, that sounds ominous. Like, yeah, it, it really does. does. It does. It sounds very inappropriate. <laughs> it's not. It's actually it's actually appears to be on the up and up, which is not something I say lightly for the NHL. Um, <laughs> it's directed at players. Um, who have Division One, Three, CIS, or other amateur hockey experience who are interested in becoming officials. Hmm. Um, and so without that like communication between USA Hockey and the NHL officials, she wouldn't have even known that this was a, a thing. Um, and I think she's the one I read, like, as soon as she found, that, found out about the, um, the exposure combine, she applied, like, the next day. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, and in this Bucks County Courier Times article, she says that fitness and position are the first things that most women need to work on. Um, she Hmm. says, quote, being able to read the play is the most important part. It's a new level of play for all of us breaking into a new league. Being in the best position is key to reading plays and getting out of the player's way. End quote. So position, she means like on the ice. Yes, she means physical, her physical location on the ice. Yep. Okay. Interesting. Um, and she's been a referee for USA Hockey since 2014. And at the same time, she's a property controller and cost engineer at Jacobs, which is a civil engineering firm. So yeah. what I'm hearing is they don't pay refs very well. Mm. I was wondering if any of these were, you know, full-time jobs or if, you know, if they were able, they were having to have second careers. Mm-hmm. To... Well, this is the AHL, right? Rebecca, do you know how many games they play? Uh, that that's a great question. I should know. I don't know. But this is also um, before she became an AHL referee, right? So oh, I don't okay. know if she's still working at Jacobs right now. Right. Okay, I, uh, that was also a piece I got from her LinkedIn profile. I don't know the last time mm-hmm. she updated it. <laughs> <laughs> well, send her a message and ask. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Next was Samantha Hiller. She also did not have a Wikipedia page. She started playing hockey when she was super young, which is very true of many, many uh, players mm-hmm. who get into the, you know, into the big leagues. She started to officiate at age 12. Like she <laughs> started amazing. getting into refing at 12. So at this point, she has over 15 years 
of experience in refing. Um, the that a- just makes me think of that that tweet that keeps going around about the like somebody went to their cousin's soccer game and the the ref didn't show up, so a nine year old had to oh to yeah 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 ref because he brought his own whistle. Oh, and yeah, he had right. to call a yellow card on one of the parents and she, yes. for yelling at him, and oh uh, she had to go to her car to calm down. Oh, oh yeah, my God. That's I haven't right. seen that. That's amazing. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> oh. It's like like a five year old soccer game. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like it, still, I yeah. just explained that's it in amazing. more words than the tweet used. That's okay, but it was still so yeah. funny. That's okay. Um, so Samantha Hiller was actually invited to referee camp by the AHL, which is also kind of cool and exciting that is cool um and she has said that <laughs> referee camp i'm sorry i'm just mad at them like making lanyards for their whistles and like oh, tie-dyeing oh. their ref shirts and, like... <laughs> that would be amazing um she says that so far the players have treated her just like another person which oh, is good. lovely to hear in the you know yeah. toxic culture of hockey that we know about Yep. She has also said um, specifically, I don't want to be the best woman official. I want to be the best official, which I love. Mm-hmm. And I think is mm-hmm. relatively similar to a lot of women that we hear talking about their sports. So I want to interject there yeah. for, for just a second. The the big terrible hockey thing that we're not talking about, um, which just to clarify, does not mean that we don't think it's important because oh, no. we all do. Yeah. We just don't want to go there right now yeah. and um, truly but I, don't, the, I don't feel i have i have anything of value anything to add new to, to say no conversation yeah. but if anybody's curious about it you should just google it and read there's been a lot of really good articles yes. written about it you can definitely yeah. find out everything you need to know yeah. um but one of the things that was coming out of that that i thought was interesting was that when they talked to the players it seemed like the younger players had the better takes because they are smarter and less indoctrinated with this terrible boys club Mm -hmm. sort of mentality Mm -hmm. and i wonder if that's true in the ahl as well and i wonder if that's actually making it easier for these women you know because Mm -hmm. the players there tend to be younger and and less you know entrenched Mm -hmm. in this toxic masculinity culture if it's easier for them to just be like yeah she is just another person she's the ref yeah i mean it definitely could be one of the things that i discovered doing all this research is that um to work for USA hockey as a coach a ref and mm. something else there was a third category mm-hmm. you have to go through the safe sport program and you have to mm. like renew yeah, it yeah, every yeah. 2 years or something like that um yep. now of course i haven't done it i don't know how good it is but it's specifically i've heard it's pretty bullshit but it's at least yeah, like but it's but it's something that like it's supposed to be raising awareness for bullying mm-hmm. and harassment and all this kind of stuff mm-hmm. um yeah actually it looks like non affiliated like players coaches etc can take it so i just didn't mm-hmm. have enough time today to like go down that rabbit hole but we may sure. be revisiting that if i can figure <laughs> out how to take that uh, training. So, you know, I would hope, you know, we always hope that with every generation, things get a little bit better. Um, and I know, like, I look at my friends, kids who are Mm -hmm. middle teens and late teens and early twenties, and they are a hell of a lot more aware. Oh yeah. Well-spoken, um, accepting all of this kind of Mm -hmm. stuff than, than we were at their age. Um, yeah, agreed. So hopefully that is happening at the AHL level 
and then, mm-hmm. you know, kind of trickling up into the NHL. Mm-hmm. We yeah. can only hope. We can only hope. Yeah. Um, all right. So the next person on my list is also a referee. Her name is Elizabeth Mantha. And she had, she was the only one who I found an article about. She didn't have a Wikipedia page that I could find, but she's the only one that I found an article about in like a proper quote unquote, um, news source. Um, Mm. she has an article about her, her in the athletic and I'll tell you why. Her brother, Mm. Anthony Mantha, plays for the Capitals and has been in the (laughs) NHL for years and years. So the season, just this season, that Anthony Mm -hmm. was debuting for the Capitals, she was debuting as a ref in the AHL. Now, Mm -hmm. Tarek El-Bashir, who wrote the article in The Athletic, he's a great Mm -hmm. reporter. He Mm -hmm. is generally not sexist that I've seen. He's not one of these like Mm -hmm. horrible, entrenched entrenched in that hockey culture um but you know to to just to be clear like fairly certain the only reason that she has an article about her in a publication like the athletic is because she has a famous brother Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. she also has a famous grandfather uh her grandfather their grandfather won the stanley cup four times apparently so yeah that's a lot of times yeah that's a hockey legacy but anyway um so Elizabeth, she played for Montreal in the um, CWHL. She played collegiate at the University of Montreal. She's been officiating since 2011. Um, she officiated the 2021 IIHF Women's World Championship. Um, at the same time, she's also a full-time supervisor at Quebec's 9-11 Emergency Dispatch. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, and she's working on her master's degree in management at the University of Quebec. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, th- this was kind of a cool thing. A lot of the article is things that Anthony, her brother, says about her. And it mm-hmm. looks like he's genuinely a-, a cool guy. And it looks like they have a really good relationship, which is fun oh, to see. That's nice. Yes. Yeah. Like yeah, her, that's really good. Her debut in Quebec, something like 45 to 50 of their family members went to the game to support her. And like <laughs> oh, that was more sweet. people than showed up to his debut with the Capitals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. Um, so he said, I told her she's going to have to be strong, obviously, and smart on the ice when things go in a different direction. And we kind of black out and just become furious at everything. She needs to be the one that's calming the situation or breaking up whatever is about to happen. <laughs> <laughs> but he also mm-hmm. seemed to have a lot of faith and belief mm-hmm. that she could do that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that was so, pretty cool. So- I have a question. So the NBA has women refs Mm -hmm. and has for a few years now, at least. I don't remember quite when it started, but, but, you know, there's not a ton of them, but they're definitely around. The NHL does not. Do you have any sense of if or when that might happen? I mean, one assumes that this is opening the door to that. Sure. Um, I do think this is opening the door to that. And actually, many of the women who I found... Um, like interviews with they talked about mm-hmm. how the dream used to be officiating at the Olympics and a, a, a right. few of them have done that um, but now right. the dream is to officiate in the NHL mm-hmm. um, I I genuinely I don't know like okay. the NHL is such a garbage league like I love <laughs> yeah. the sport but the NHL is a trash league I don't yes. know 
how how soon they're going to be quote unquote mm-hmm. ready for that. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, this we're in the year 2021 and this is the first year we've had women officiating in the AHL. So yep. I cannot yep. imagine that the NHL is going to do the same within the next five to 10 years. I would be shocked yep. if they did that in the next 10 years. Pleasantly, but shocked. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, all right. I only have a couple more. Um, okay. Amanda Tassoni, she's also a referee. She also had no Wikipedia page, but she does have a master's in kinesiology from the University of Rhode Island. Again, nice. LinkedIn. Um, <laughs> she played uh, at the collegiate level at the University of Rhode Island. She was also one of the those um, all-female officiating crew at the Frozen Four. She's also a senior GM at Plus One, which is a health, wellness, and fitness company. So again, referee for the AHL and potentially full-time job right now. Mm-hmm. This is also making me wonder how many of, you know, the male referees have postgraduate degrees. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did do a little bit of poking around at current um, NHL referees because I was curious mm-hmm. to see mm-hmm. what their experience was before they became an NHL referee. Um, yeah. The few who had Wikipedia pages, like Wes McCauley, for example, are mm-hmm. also former players. Oh, interesting. The vast majority did not have Wikipedia pages at all, which Mm -hmm. can mean something and may also not mean something. Um, Right. I don't know. I kind of feel like once you reach that level that that's something that people tend to write about on Wikipedia, but could totally be wrong. Um, Mm -hmm. But uh, Rachel, I, I suspect you're correct there that there's a there's a big gap here between yeah not too many graduates of you know northeastern law school exactly exactly wrapping in the nhl right now phds yeah well i mean the obvious answer is these women didn't think they had a career track Mm -hmm. as referees Mm -hmm. right so they did something else Mm -hmm. whereas the men it was probably much especially as players you know if they knew they weren't going to make it as a player Mm -hmm. to just be like well i guess i can ref instead and you know what to be fair there are a number of players currently who are doing graduate programs are there yes oh, that's like they just you know they have to do them remotely of course but they they right. are doing them like ovi actually has the russian equivalent of a phd uh, oh. yeah so like some of them surprise you many of them fit the dumb jock stereotype <laughs> many 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 perhaps most so As somebody who's gone to graduate school i can't imagine trying to do something like play full-time sports yeah. and also get a graduate degree. That seems yeah. Well, stressful. I think part of it yeah. is they're, they're on the road <laughs> so much. And, you know, after practice, they just have time. Yeah, but it's not. No, I, I mean, I guess if you simple. did it slowly. Yeah, yeah a few credits like, at a time. A few credits at well, a time I think that's would be what doable. But like, yeah. okay. Because like. No, taking a full. I just remember my first courses, semester. No. Right. My first semester of graduate school, like I totaled up the number of pages that I was quote unquote required to read. And I was like, this is literally not possible right. in the number of hours I day. have in a, yeah. in a week, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, like, the idea of trying to do that and then also go to team practices and also, like, play games, like, even if you do have a lot of downtime on the plane or whatever, mm-hmm. like, 
But yeah, maybe like a couple classes per semester. Yeah. Okay. Even one at a time. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. It's still something. Yeah. Um, okay. So uh, the last three I have are all lines persons. Um, mm-hmm. Kendall Hanley. She played in college as a defender at Elmira College and then as a forward at SUNY Oswego. So she can apparently do it all. Um, she, affor- uh, she officiated tournaments hosted by the IIHF, USA Hockey, NHL, w- NWHL, NCAA, and WCHA. Um, Jeez. The NHL That's piece a lot of was, letters. Yes. <laughs> the NHL piece was for one of those prospect tournaments. Um, mm. She served as a lines person at the 2020 IIHF Women's U18 World Championship. And then again as a lines person at the three-on-three event at the NHL all-star game mm-hmm. um and she was a lines woman for the 2021 iihf uh women's world championship championship that's <laughs> which was just word. recently yeah it was just over the summer yeah. yeah um kirsten welsh oh by the way all these three women do not have wikipedia pages um, Kirsten mm-hmm. Welsh, she played in college at Robert Morris University, which is the same university that Laura White went to. Um, mm. I don't know if they were there at the same time. Couldn't find right, that information. Sure. But um, Kirsten also worked, uh, did one of those prospect tournaments and was a lineswoman at the All-Star event. Um, and then Alexandra Clark, she was a linesperson at the 2018 U18 Women's World Qualifiers. And then the 2021 IIHF Women's World Championships. She was the first woman lines person at a Canadian men's major junior game. And don't ask me about the major junior thing. That's like, (laughs) I I can't explain it. It's Canada. Um, And then she said, um, oh, there was a whole article uh, about her on the IIHF website about how she, quote unquote, made her own break. Um, And it's about how basically when she found out about opportunities through whatever way, or even Mm. before she found out, she would be calling people in like the quote unquote next step in the path to be like, hey, I'm this person. Think of me when you're doing whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Um, And she said in this article, skating is one of my strong suits, but I'm not as strong or as quick or as explosive as a male. So I had to focus on that and work with my off ice training on that, which I thought was interesting because Laura White had said um, being able to read the play and um, positioning were the most important part. Um, Mm. So, you know, interesting to get another Mm -hmm. perspective on that. Mm hmm. Um, and then the the last piece kind of to tie this all together, um, this year in the NHL officiating staff, every single referee has at one point worked in the AHL, come through the AHL, and 97% oh, okay. of the linesmen have, have as well. So I think there is a very strong AHL to NHL pipeline. Right. It's just right. a matter Sounds... of whether that pipeline yeah. is large enough for women. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Well, fingers crossed. Yes. And well, thanks are, for that, yes, Rebecca. Those that's, are our women. That's really great. I appreciate you doing the research on that. And yeah, let's get these women some Wikipedia pages because good grief. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> wow. And if that's you great. if you know how to make a Wikipedia page, 
please email us at fellpuckpodcast.gmail.com. Lonnie. <laughs> uh, cool. Well, that's really good. I appreciate that. And, and yay, positive hockey story. I know I have seen the uh, NWHL, which has had a name change, which I yes, can't now it's remember. it's the PHL, the Premier Hockey League. Thank you. The PHL is playing some games uh, now. They've started their season, yes. and I have not caught any, but I know that they are. I have seen them crossing my feed. Uh, I don't think I've actually watched. No, I watched like half a hockey game once, but I was <laughs> sometimes that's been all preoccupied you can... with yeah, sometimes that's other all you things. Can do. <laughs> yeah. So what was the reason so for that name change? You know? I don't know. I was going to do research on that, and I didn't. Um, I mean, so uh, honestly, mark that down. Honestly, I think part of it was they didn't want to be like. The women's, the women's hockey league, right. yeah, 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 trying to get away from that label, which I'm, Fair. I support, absolutely, you know, yeah, um, we don't, you know, maybe we should call all the men's sports, you know, the men's national basketball league, but we don't. Yeah, so. I mean, we collectively here try to, yes, but <laughs> society at large no. does not. I mean, it yeah. does start with our three listeners, so they mm-hmm. have this responsibility mm-hmm. as well. Be the change you want to see in the world. Yes. <laughs> Um, cool. Well, that's really good. I really appreciate that. It's nice to have positive stories. Yeah. And then baseball. <laughs> and with that great segue. <laughs> Rachel, drag us back down. <laughs> well, it's not, it's not awful news. I just, just something to, to talk about. Just medium depressing. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> The good news here now that baseball is officially, officially over um, for the next, you know, like month before they start again, um, is that Atlanta won the World Series over Houston. Hooray! Houston lost. The Astros are still an asterisk. (laughs) Like, they're trying to win their World Series without, quote unquote, without cheating. Uh Uh-huh. How's that going? Can't do it. Yep. Yep. So, uh, yeah, that happened. Atlanta, four games to two, I believe. They didn't do it at home, which was uh, a little sad. Um, but the most humorous thing... Yeah, I do thing... always feel a little bad when championships are won on the road. Yeah, like, but also... for the team that wins and also for the other team. They got to wave their, their asses at Houston, which is, there is always that. fun. There is and that. Uh, stomped them pretty good that last game. I think it was nice. like five to zero. Nice. Um, the most humorous thing to come out of that was uh, the uh, victory parade back in Atlanta. Oh yeah, that was uh, hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> there were apparently thousands of people out on the streets on a cold day in Atlanta. But I I just saw one little clip from it that was saying, you know, Atlanta's not used to having these kind of parades because, and it was a clip of the parade bus and uh, you know lines of people throngs of people out on the street and the parade bus is going 30 miles an hour past all yep. of them yeah that was oh, amazing there they go yeah i laughed about that for days after you yes. shared yep. it was delightful mm-hmm. but uh of course uh one problem with uh the atlanta team there are several. There was, you know, the new stadium. <laughs> I mean, you know, pick a team in the, the uh, MLB and there's going to be problematic for mm-hmm. some reason mm-hmm. or other. Um, like the, the new stadium that was built a couple years ago was, um, you know, 
took advantage of some very uh, uh, racist urban planning in order to, mm. I, you know. Um, but, I mean, probably the most visible issue is the name. Um, there is, I don't think there's any talk of changing it. Um, you know, recently some teams have come mm-hmm. around. The uh, uh, Cleveland baseball team is... Mm-hmm. Uh, it's interesting. I thought for sure because they they announced a little while ago that like oh we're looking into changing it, and it was like mm-hmm. oh okay that's just another stall tactic. But they are actually I believe starting next season mm-hmm. going to be the Guardians. Oh yeah, that's I nice. That. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one of my coworkers is a Cleveland uh, baseball team fan, and she said you know it's it, there's a thing that you don't know if you're not a Cleveland baseball team fan is that the Guardians are like based the name and the logo are based on i can't remember if it's like downtown or if it's at at the actual field but there are these statues called the guardians of industry and so they're like these iconic things i think they're at the actual field that like tie to the history of the team and are like immediately recognizable to anybody who follows the team and i was like oh that makes so much sense that's cool okay amazing a team has more than one uh iconic thing well, it's such, Crazy. I mean, it's Go just genuinely it. such a good instance of like, yes, you can rename your team. There are yeah. other, there are ways to do this well, you know? Yeah. And then the Washington football team, which swore up and down for many years mm-hmm. uh, that it was not going to change its name is now, I believe they're sticking with the Washington football team, right? They're oh, have not, they? I, for now they are. Yeah. I, I now, mean, yeah. a popular theory is that they have a name in mind, but somebody else owns the rights to it and they haven't. Oh, interesting. And they haven't been able to negotiate buying that yet. So they're still Hmm. for now, the Washington football team, which is fine. So they're waiting for the patent on the Yankees to run out. Is that (laughs) what I'm hearing? I don't know. I think they want something, you know, DC esque. So senators, Congress folk, Eagles. No, this is Washington State, State, isn't it? The Washington Washington football football team? team. Yeah. That's Washington, D.C., formerly known as the Redskins? No, that's Washington State. That's Washington State. 100%. No, it's not. Google! Google. (laughs) The Washington Redskins are D.C. I drive by their field. (laughs) Are you sure? The Washington State team is the Seattle Seahawks. Well, that's that's a Seattle team, not a Washington State team. That's the only team that they have. I promise you the Washington football team is Washington, D.C. <laughs> I promise. We found a new Mandela effect. I have. I'm glad it's not just me. No, no, I, I'm completely with you. I mean, I do believe Rebecca because she does actually live there. Yeah, oh, like, yeah, based I was in the D.C. area my entire okay. freaking life. I have thought it was yeah. Washington State. Same. My nope. entire life. Washington, D.C. Yep. Okay. Well, we have learned something here today. <laughs> Thank you for coming on this journey with us. (laughs) Well, that would make much more sense. And I mean, the Washington Wizards, the Wizards and the Mystics don't really fit the Capitals and Senators theme. But so maybe they're going for like mages, (laughs) the Washington Dragons. Washington Dragons. No, I don't think they're that cool. I mean, they could be. No. All right. Okay. Well, Part of the reason I wanted to get into this, not just because uh, the Atlanta team and their horrible, horrible chant, which is not only racist, but also annoying enough that I think the two of them together should make it qualify as a hate crime. Well, to be clear, it's not just Atlanta that does it that isn't. chant. It isn't. It isn't. I heard <laughs> it's it, you know, very widespread. 
Florida State Seminoles, they do that mm-hmm. to pretty much any. The Kansas City you know, Chiefs. Goes along with the horrible. Fighting Illini. Yeah. But uh, one other way it came up was on that road trip that Nancy and I took, we drove Mm. through um, Arizona in an attempt to go to uh, the the Four Corners uh, that was originally thwarted because that Four Corners, the spot in the desert where four states meet up, it closes at night. They close down the desert. There's a gate. There's a spot in the desert that you can't Mm -hmm. go to. At night. After 5 p.m. And... I mean, to be fair, there's also Area 51, which you can't go to. Yeah, but it's not just, like, two right... <laughs> four right angles in the desert. Anyway. <laughs> um, and Arizona doesn't uh, observe uh, daylight savings time. Anyway, we got our clock it, screwed up. Got to... Except for the Navajo Nation, which is a very significant portion of Arizona. Yes. But we originally drove eastward into Arizona. Anyway. That's neither here nor there. We ended up driving through a great deal of Navajo Nation and the little island of, what is that, Pueblo in there too? Oh no, there's uh, Hopi. Hopi, that's I what it was. that's what we went past. Um, and we passed several high schools, um, mm-hmm. possibly run by the Bureau of uh, Indian Affairs, and three high schools, all three had Native American mascots. Mm-hmm. One of which was, in fact, the Redskins, mm-hmm. which we were pretty surprised by. Um, so I tried to do a little bit of research into it just to find out, you know, is this something that the schools chose? Is this something that is a remnant of uh, a past decision that was not made locally? Right. Is 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 this reclamation of a term or even just tongue-in-cheek? Or is this white people who came in and colonized the land and set up the K through 12 system and said, ha ha, guess, guess you guys are the Redskins. Yeah. Like, and what'd you it, find? Unclear. Oh, yeah. Unclear. And unfortunately I was not able to find a great deal of information. Um, you know, I'm, I didn't personally contact anybody to, to find things <laughs> out. I don't know how they would feel about me personally. Oh, you know, a white person, mm-hmm. uh, not from the area contacting them, trying to find things out. But I did find a little bit, of information, just some studies in general done about um, Native American mascots and their effects and everything. Um, and there was a, a pretty good article written by Hope Alchin for 538, and this was uh, came out October of last year, um, you know, when the, the Washington football team uh, was, you know, dealing with the name change stuff. Um, so I'll start reading from that article. The case against these mascots... Native American mascots, isn't always cut and dried, this article says. Of the 1,232 high school mascots in the mascot database, 23 are used in tribal high schools, those operated or funded by the Bureau of Indian Education. These schools, which are often on reservations or near indigenous communities, primarily serve students who identify as Native Americans. Um, Schools not associated with the Bureau of Indian Education may also have genuine ties to Native culture and community. So the number of schools who serve Native students and use a Native mascot is likely more than those I was able to identify. For these schools, the conversation around Native mascots is about authentic representation rather than appropriation. Mm -hmm. These students and communities are harnessing Native mascots to honor their own identities and heritage. They're traditions that many consider racist when imitated by non-Native athletes and fans take on new meaning in Indigenous spaces. Mm -hmm. Currently, about 2% of Native mascots are used at tribal high schools. So, 
you know, unfortunately that, you know, little blurb of two paragraphs was most of the information I was able to find out about, um, Mm -hmm. you know, and unfortunately not a lot of, um, you know, information from actual native sources on this that I would be interested in finding. Um, but I just thought it was a really, you know, interesting thing to see. And I think probably a good reminder that, you know, we talk about these things not because of it causing offense to people and that being the only harm that it does, but that these mascots also do real harm in the form of implicit bias. And there have been, you know, many studies saying this. Mm -hmm. Um, And that, so it's not about, or not entirely about how Native Americans feel about representation of it. You know, obviously a lot of them tie both factors into it, how they feel about it and also how um, it affects people. Um, But there have been, you know, actual studies shown that, and and, uh, this is an article from The Conversation um, talking about, let's see if I can pull that one up. Some mascots are actually more damaging than others. Um, And it was, uh, they used uh, the Cleveland Atlanta baseball teams. And this was, Mm. I think, 2018. Um, And they used uh, Detroit Detroit Tigers and Miami Marlins as control cities. Um, But uh, they used measures of implicit bias that uh, are pretty familiar to anyone who's, who's looked at studies that look at this, which, you know, showing images or logos or you know stuff from the team and then having people associate certain words with certain groups of people Mm -hmm. and um this is done for all kinds of you know gender bias race bias Mm -hmm. um what have you um and they found that uh, people that had just recently been exposed to stuff from the cleveland baseball team were more likely to associate uh warlike and violent traits with native americans than residents uh than uh people from or looked at images of atlanta detroit and miami wow so yeah and you know it's one thing i really wanted to to mention here is that it's implicit like it's not it's not conscious um so as much as you can try to insist that these things don't affect you a nobody believes they're biased Mm -hmm. everybody believes they're Other people are biased, but they themselves are too smart to be biased. We are all paragons of rationality. Exactly. But only only us. Only me. Um, And did I have a a number two on that list? I don't know. (laughs) Um, But it's just, it's not like it goes beyond conscious thought. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. Um, And Mm -hmm. and that's the reason that uh, we talk about... um, Native American mascots. Um, and it, I also do want to say that it's important that uh, white voices not be the ones... I mean, we can be allies, but there's a sense that we can't, you know, ignore what the people more directly involved have to say. Right. Um, and I, I did find an interesting article from 2014 Back when, what's this, somebody, Snyder, who is uh, mm-hmm. uh, in charge of the Washington football team. Is he still the owner of the team? Oh, I think he is. I think he's still involved. Which he might be. And so this was written before the 2020, like, that that 538 article had he's, a very yes. interesting he's still the owner. bit about 
um, you know, that he, he swore up and down that the team would never use caps changed. And it took less than 24 hours after corporate sponsors threatened to pull out of their deals before mm-hmm, the team mm-hmm. announced it would, quote mm-hmm, unquote, review mm-hmm. the name. And 10 days mm-hmm. later, the team committed to changing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, one, of, one of the big things there was they play at FedEx Field and FedEx was like, we will take our name off your stadium if you do not take your name off your team. And, yeah, yeah. and that, 24 that hours later, they were like, pretty okay, quickly. we're the Washington football team now. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I I drive by that FedEx field, which is why I know because it's, it's located in Washington, D.C. DC. <laughs> wow. Well, OK, so this is also part of what confused me. It didn't make me rethink that anyway. So in 2014, when I guess there there, you know, some activists have been working for a very, very, very long, long time. time. Yes. Um, and all of which long. culminated in the sponsors. Uh, threatening to withdraw support. Yeah. So this is kind of a flashback to 2014 when uh, the uh, Snyder got in touch with a uh, Red Mesa High School in Arizona um, whose football team is also nicknamed the Redskins. Um, and this is a largely Native American high school. Um, so here's a, an article from 2014. The Washington Post reports that teachers and students at Red Mesa High School overwhelmingly support keeping their football team's nickname. According to a recent poll conducted by the school, more than 88% of the students and 70% of the faculty are in favor of keeping their longtime mascot. And most students, 60%, said they did not agree that Redskins is a racial slur. Just 7% find the word as offensive, while the rest, 33%, said they weren't sure. I don't find it derogatory, Red Mesa Superintendent Tommy Yazzie told the newspaper. It's a source of pride. So I thought that was very interesting. Is and, you know, as a publicity indigenous? stunt. What? Is that superintendent indigenous? Or is that like uh, me I saying? I believe elsewhere. With that last name, yes. Okay. Yes, I believe elsewhere in the article it did say. Okay. Um, and so what Snyder did as a publicity stunt was uh, take a bunch of people to a uh, Washington football Mm-hmm. Uh, game a bunch of the the students and faculty from the high school um and uh i mean that see. that to me uh, not that i i know you're not saying this to advocate for that tactic just to be clear but that to me is like mom can i go to the movies no okay dad can i go to the movies no oh, grandma can i go to the movies yes you can't like it's just <laughs> it's just asking around until you get the answer that you want yeah exactly and a lot of people were not happy about uh, them using kids as a publicity stunt, um, yeah. including, uh, it was interesting, uh, you know, the same activist, uh, Amanda, oh, I want to get her name, because she was, for both of the, the articles, Amanda Blackhorse, who's been one of the um, leaders to push for uh, Washington to change their name, um, was interviewed for both articles. Um, and this is a different perspective. Uh, same article, a government teacher, uh, the last name Cobb, told the Washington Post, the Washington Redskins is a profoundly racist name, and I think we as educators need to provide some history and context. Mm-hmm. Um, most parents the paper talked to called it a non-issue. But here's what I wanted to end with. We have far more important issues to expend our energy on, Stephen Benally, a grandfather of a Red Mesa high school football player, said. A lot of the buildings here are from the 1970s. Our grandson doesn't even have a biology teacher. Mm-hmm. Tell Snyder we want a wellness center. Mm-hmm. I'm, yeah, I think so. So Red Mesa is the one we drove past. That would be that was on our yeah. On our I think way. it was. Yeah, um, I think an important piece here um, 
that I, I was going to say earlier, and I think it is really pertinent in this, is that, you know, part of part of the problem with these sorts of mascots is that in most of the U.S. at this point, that's going to be most people's, most non-Native people's only impression or interaction with Native cultures mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. a cartoon mm-hmm. sports mascot, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Which even if it's not specifically a slur, mm-hmm. if it's just a tribal name, it's still taking an entire people and reducing them to a, a cartoon sports yeah. mascot. Yeah, and that conversation um, article goes into, like, even positive stereotypes have a harmful Yeah, exactly. Effect. Right. Because there's just no other context mm-hmm. for it. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, it, all of those kids and parents saying that they, they have no problem with this... Uh, you know, this team name, I think that there is probably at least a piece of they are in that area, the majority ethnic group. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so it can be a source of pride because there isn't, there, well, there isn't like the white gaze on that. Exactly. Mm -hmm. It's not the only representation it's not the only representation and it's not a representation that's being presented by somebody else Mm -hmm. yeah and i think that's probably a piece of it um so i also want to shout out because um a place that that we might look for more discussion of this is a, a a sports account that we actually follow on our twitter feed and i retweet them every so often indiansports.com in dn as in like the letters in dn sports.com uh which is the leading resource for native american sports news mm-hmm. uh, and they post a lot of stories of native athletes which is super cool and mm-hmm. i love seeing like you know the junior high girls cross-country team from you know wherever just took first and, and so I, I really like them a lot um but they do a lot of work to talk about uh, some of this stuff. And I don't know that they've specifically talked about this, but it wouldn't surprise me if they had. So it might be. Yeah. And I mean, just because I didn't find a whole lot in my first cursory pass of research sure. doesn't mean there isn't more out there. And I would like to revisit this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I just wanted to, you know, because they're relevant to what we're talking about. I yeah. wanted to shout them um, out. Before we move on, I do also want to say that Dan Snyder is a garbage human. Oh, word. Yeah. Like, yes, it, completely. Not yes. just a racist garbage human, but like mm-hmm. sexual harassment, sexual assault, mm-hmm. like per, like allowed and fostered a pervasive atmosphere of sexual harassment mm-hmm. within the Washington football team organization. So that should mm-hmm. not go unnoted. No, absolutely. <laughs> yes. And now we can never talk about Dan Snyder again. I'm fine with that. <laughs> All right, but it made more sense to me that somebody from Washington State would go to a Arizona high school and yeah. bring the Arizona high school then across the country. Yeah. But you know what? <laughs> I was wrong. I have been wrong for a long time. It's I'm happened just before. It'll happen again. This you know what? Episode geography. But again, we we present this information not assuming that any of us know any better than anyone else. This is just very That's right there in our tagline. <laughs> oh bless all right well thank you for that rachel i think that's really useful were they did you mm-hmm. have any final thoughts you wanted to share about that or that was about it okay we are here at an hour 15 for our nice easy short episode 
Uh, we Which said is, easy. Speaking of on brand. We did not say yeah. short. I never said short. That's true. That's fair. That's I fair. said we chill. Uh, <laughs> and I'm here to scream about the Warriors. So buckle up, not. kids, for another 45 yeah. minutes. <laughs> They've only played 11 games. I can't okay. scream for that long. 40 uh. minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so the warriors, in their defense, are uh, com- completely generic warriors. Their logo is the Golden Gate Bridge. So, like, <laughs> just want to be clear since we're on that topic. It's a good point. Um, the warriors have played, I'm sorry, not 11, 12 games. Uh, they do not yet have Clay Thompson back yet. That's anticipated in December or early January. They do have Andre Iguodala back, which is delightful and makes me very happy. And they are currently top of the West significantly. They have an 11 and 1 record. Damn. Yeah. And the only one they lost, they lost in overtime. (laughs) Their other games, uh, they have been winning. They just did an eight game homestand. Uh, and I think won the seven that they won by double digits, which is terrific. Now, big caveat that this is not going to last because the seven games they played in the homestand were all against, like, well, mostly against pretty shit teams. So, like, they have had a very easy start to their season. But they have done what they needed to do with it. Exactly. Like, you get that slate of easy teams and you just, you want to build that cushion, Mm -hmm. right? Better than losing the first seven games of your season. Uh, yeah, way better than that. And also, uh, Steph Curry had a 50-point game, which is awesome. Uh, he w- scored 24 in the first half of that game, uh, then dropped in uh, 18 points in a single quarter. He uh, is the third Warriors player in franchise history with 10-plus 50-point games. Uh yeah, which is, that's hard to do a 50-point game. Um, he's done it 10 times now. Rick Barry, uh, who is another famous warrior from many years ago, has done 14, so Steph may yet pass him. Wilt Chamberlain is at the number one position. He has he had uh, 105 50-point games. I'm sorry, What? Was he playing against yep. other people in those games? Or? Yes, yes. But Wilt Chamberlain is is the uh, outlier who should not be counted for anything. Oh, he's the exception um, that proves he, the rule. Yeah, he routinely had 100-point games. Or I guess I don't know about routinely for that. But he had at least some 100-point oh games. Yeah. So, like, yeah. Uh, he also had 10 assists. Uh, in his 50-point game, becoming the oldest player ever to have 50 points and 10 assists. Uh, And a plus-minus of 30 or better. So he's killing it. He's playing so well. I mean, he has the occasional off night like you do, but he's really doing well. And they're getting really good contributions from basically everybody on the team, which I think is super important. Um... You know, they've got they've got some solid vets, obviously. They've got Andre, who, you know, people have been counting Andre out for years now. And Andre looks like he just wanted to be back in the Bay Area. He was taking a nap in Miami where he was playing <laughs> for the Heat. And now he's back in the Bay Area and he's like, oh, okay, we're going to win a championship again. Got it. Okay. Draymond Green also looking super good. 
uh, who, again, like people keep being like, oh, Draymond's getting too old. He's not going to be able to do this forever. Draymond is here to tell you that he can <laughs> and he will. Uh, Andrew Wiggins had a little bit of a bumpy uh, start to the season, but then game before last, he came out and just blew everybody off the court, which is great. Uh, their third-year guy, Jordan Poole, who was really good last year, continues to be really good, which is great. They're just really clicking in a way that's really exciting to see. So they've got a couple players who have been out injured. Clay Thompson is one of them. James Wiseman is another, and he was their sort of like big rookie last year who was supposed to be so amazing, and then the wheels kind of came off. He got injured a couple times. He didn't fit the system very well so he's going to be in his second year it's probably going to get a little bumpy when they bring him back in you know trying to get him to adjust after having not been able to play for a while um and clay also like obviously they're going to have to ease him back in but i'm real excited to see how they're playing in like february after they've had a month with everybody on the team playing together and just i can't wait I can't wait. I'm really excited. <laughs> and I will say, like, if you're at all inclined to watch basketball, the Warriors games have been really fun to watch. Like, they're playing really smartly. They're really making nice, nice scores. Um, so the only downside is having to listen to Fitz and Kalena, <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> um, so... Uh, Wilt Chamberlain had one 100-point game. Okay, just the one. All right. Just the one. Just the one. (laughs) Um, It was on (laughs) March 2nd, 1962 at the Hershey Sports Arena in Hershey, Pennsylvania, which is ironically Mm -hmm. where the Hershey Bears play. Um, For the Philadelphia Warriors, they hadn't yet become the the Golden State Warriors. Golden State. That season, he averaged a record of 50. He averaged (laughs) 50 points per game. And he had broken the NBA single game scoring record early in the season, earlier in the season with 78 points. Yeah. Yeah. He just, I mean, he was a scoring machine. Like you can't, you literally cannot. Did anybody else else even score in that 100 point game? Probably uh, not. They did, because the <laughs> Philadelphia Warriors finished that game with 169 points. It was 169 to 147. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And apparently... Wow, that close! <laughs> apparently, in the, in the fourth <laughs> quarter, they were playing the Knicks. The Knicks began fouling other players just to keep the ball away from Wilt Chamberlain. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at, the, at some point, you gotta mm-hmm. pick a strategy and go with it, I guess. The game wasn't televised, and no video footage of this game has ever <gasps> been recovered. There are audio oh. recordings of the fourth quarter, but that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because this was back when basketball was still, I mean, they were still busing guys to games on, like, school buses and, yeah, shit, the, and paying them, like, the, 30 bucks a month yeah, the, or something. The very next yeah. sentence in this Wikipedia article is, the NBA was not yet recognized as being a major sports league. And struggle to compete against college basketball. Yep. Yep. Wow. That's Mm -hmm. cool. Yeah. Yeah, there was a really good book I read a few years ago that I can't now remember the title of, but it was a history of the Warriors, and it was really interesting. And it talks, you know, of course, a lot about Wilt Chamberlain. But, yeah, so that's my Warriors update. They're playing good. It's exciting. I also really like their new uniforms, so that's nice. I don't have to, like, 
squint and grit my teeth when I see them on the screen. Um, <laughs> That's always nice. It is always you nice. You don't have to because like you got to stare at them for like eighty some games. You know, yeah. <laughs> like you want you want to be looking at something at least reasonably okay. And and I like them. I think they look good. Um, yeah. So yeah, go Warriors. It's fun. It's a good time. Good stuff. Good stuff. I do want to say before we close for our listeners that we will be doing our Winter Olympics pods, just like we did for the summer, because that turned out to be really fun and yeah, people seem to enjoy them. So we're going to be doing those. So keep your eyes and ears peeled. We'll be releasing them in less of a rush <laughs> than we did. <laughs> Somebody knock wood for me. We <laughs> promise, <Yeah>. Joe. <laughs> then... Uh, than we did for the summer ones. So they'll start trickling out probably in January. But yeah. Rebecca, you want to take us out? I would love to. Yay. Uh, If you want to contact us with questions, advertising opportunities, Mm. uh, Nancy mentioned a company at the beginning and now I've forgotten who it was. But listen, if you need some advertising space, we are here for you. (laughs) Um, Please feel free to email us at foulpuckpodcast at gmail.com or on Instagram at foulpuckpodcast, Twitter at foulpuckpod, and our website is foulpuckpodcast.net. And I would like to thank Joe for doing our editing. Hopefully this episode is a little less grueling because we all remember <laughs> we to tried. record this time. <laughs> We're doing our best. <laughs> 50 episodes in and we remember to hit the record button. Yes! Yeah. Winning. Winning. <laughs> And we would also like to thank Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com for our music. And I would like to encourage everybody to go and rate and review this podcast, uh, especially on iTunes, because that uh, bumps it up the ratings and gets more people listening. So if you like us, if you think other people would like us, please go rate and review. Tweet about us. Find us on social media. Tell your friends. Write an ad in the paper. You know, however you feel like uh, semaphore. Skywriting. Yeah. Oh, skywriting. That'd be cool. Right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. I'm do into we, it. Do, do any of our three listeners own a plane? Ooh. <laughs> we got to find out. All right. Rate and review. Subscribe. And we will catch you next time on the flip side of 50 episodes. 